If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Word of Life study series, Faith That Moves Mountains. We see in Scripture an amazing pattern with God that is repeated many times. It appears that God does not do anything without saying it first. His creative, all-powerful words frame this universe. Establish natural and spiritual laws and boundaries. Since humanity was created in God's image, we speak words as well. As children of God, our goal is to learn to speak after what our Heavenly Father has already said. That is a simple definition of biblical confession. Speaking the Word of God. Spiritual Laws Just as there are natural laws that govern the course and operation of the natural world, there are spiritual laws that govern the course and operation of the spiritual world. The spiritual world has always been in existence because God is a spirit being and always pre-existed. The spirit realm is more real than the natural realm. The more we meditate on and learn to operate in the spiritual world of God's kingdom, the more real those laws will become to us. The most evident natural law to people in this earth is the law of gravity. This natural law works whether a person understands it fully or not, because it will affect them if they jump off a building. There is a cost-benefit side to every natural law. One benefit of gravity is that it keeps us from floating away like helium balloons. However, this law can cost us our lives when violated. People are killed every day because of their careless or accidental use of natural laws. Unfortunately, ignorance provides no exemptions. These laws are impartial to age, gender, race, or intelligence of the individual. When violated, people get hurt. Therefore, like natural laws, it would behoove us to get to know the rules and operation of spiritual laws. The most dangerous place to be in life is to be ignorant of natural and spiritual laws. Ignorance is not bliss. It's deadly. 
Society has done a great job of informing people through the education system about the do's and don'ts of natural laws. It is the church's responsibility to inform people of the cost-benefit side to spiritual laws. God's word is spiritual law. Everything we need to know about spiritual laws is found in God's word. God's word works when we apply it properly to our situation. However, we have to go by God's rules for it to work. God has rules and regulations that govern His laws. When we operate in these spiritual laws, we must operate according to God's rules. Unfortunately, sometimes we have made assumptions and spoken things we didn't mean and then say, well, I said that, but I really didn't mean it. Yeah, I did say we were going bankrupt, but God knows what I meant. Spiritual laws are indiscriminate. We released those words into our spirit to produce in time. If we jump off a cliff and then the next moment change our mind, it's too late. Since we have learned to harness and to use the laws of electricity, our world has greatly benefited. However, this same natural force, if uncontrolled or violated, will burn and kill folks. Proverbs 18.21 states, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. In this episode, we're going to study a couple of spiritual laws that deal with words. Our words will either release the power of God or the devil in the earth. Depending on the words we speak, we are releasing either faith or fear in our lives. The choice is ours, but we have to live with the results, whether we like them or not. I'm excited that we can learn more about spiritual laws concerning words, according to our final authority, God's Word. Remember, we are not exempt from the consequences of violating spiritual laws just because we're ignorant of them. Hosea 4.6 My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. God's Word is spiritual law. Words, a creative force. God's Word that is conceived in our heart, then formed by the tongue, and spoken out of our own mouth, becomes a spiritual force releasing the ability of God within us. The spoken word of God is creative power. The kingdom of God responds to faith-filled words. God never did anything that he didn't say first. He said it, then he did it. The power to do it was in the spoken word. One translation of the Bible, the Concordant Literal New Testament, puts Luke chapter 1 verse 37 this way, It will not be impossible with God to fulfill his every declaration. Hebrews 11.3 By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So according to the scripture, the whole universe was created at God's command. In other words, when God spoke his faith-filled words into empty darkness, the act of creation was released. As I just shared previously, God never does anything without saying it first. This principle is absolutely necessary and essential in the operation of the law of faith. But you may say, that is God. He has the power and authority to speak things into existence. We have already covered this point in a previous episode. God has created us in his class and his image as spirit beings. Of course, we're not equal to God, but we have been privileged to imitate him as his children. Ephesians 5.1 As sons and daughters of God created in his image, We have the awesome privilege to follow in his footsteps. All of God's power is in his word, just waiting to be released through our lips. Hebrews 1.3 in the Amplified goes this way, The sun is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outreign of the divine, 
and he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. All of God's power is in his word. It is not that God's word has his power. God's word is his power. That is the way the Holy Spirit of God spoke through David in Psalms 138.2 in the Amplified. For you have exalted above all else your name and your word, and you have magnified your word above all your name. My name is only as good as my word. The same is true with God. When we speak God's word into our hearts and then back out of our mouths, we release the very spirit life of God to produce what we spoke. Jesus said in John 6.63, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Isaiah 59.21 As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit who is on you, and my words that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth, or from the mouths of your children, or from the mouths of their descendants, from this time on and forever, says the Lord. When God's creative word is spoken, it becomes an active spiritual force that works night and day to bring about the fulfillment of that word of God which was spoken. When in need, find promises from God in the Bible and meditate on them according to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. It's not our own originated words that are so powerful, as it is speaking after what God already said is ours through Jesus Christ according to 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. We have the right as children of God to speak God's words after Him and they will work for us as they work for him according to our faith. Let the creative force of the tongue be used in speaking God's promises, and thus bring all things that pertain to life and godliness into our lives. Second Peter 1 verse 3, and Psalms 147 verse 15 and 19. Now in Isaiah 55 10 it states, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, void, or without producing any effect or useless, but will accomplish what I desire, what I hope, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Mark 4.26 Jesus said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces the grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 in the King James Version. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made out of things which do appear. The personal world we live in is framed and created by the words we speak over it. When God looked at the dark, empty expanse of the universe, he did not say what he saw, but what he wanted. When addressing a situation in our life, let's speak the end result and not the temporal circumstance. Speak God's creative word to the mountain of problems in life and watch the mountain get out of the way. To speak what we see is just to reinforce the problem in our life. People attempting to be honest and transparent 
will share their problems with others in order to get them off their chest. In actuality, by speaking or praying the problem, we are exalting the circumstance above God's word. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 Instead, speak the victory we have over the problem according to the promise of God that he has given us in his word. We should avoid shooting ourselves in the foot by speaking words that work against us instead of for us. Remember, if we pray the problem instead of the answer, we will only have more faith in the problem because faith comes by hearing words, Romans 10.10. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it states, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Psalms 33, verse 6 and verse 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Notice that in Notice what is being stated in Genesis. God said, He created the heavens and the earth with faith-filled words. Did you ever notice that when God said, Let there be light, it did not result in something else, like land being formed. Suppose the Bible said, And God said, Let there be light, and dry land was formed. If we read that, we would be confused as to what was going on. There is a principle here that God wants us to get a hold of. What God spoke produced exactly what he said. Something else did not happen. Therefore, we need to speak precisely what we want. The only way that something else could result is if we change our confession to something else. When God said, let there be light, he never did say after that, light stop. Scientists say that our universe is still expanding at the speed of light, and it will continue to expand for all eternity as far as we know. Jesus said it this way in Mark 13, 31, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Those words will never go unfulfilled. When we speak God's promises, His creative word to change circumstances, let's not undo what we said by saying something contrary. When we speak in faith and the circumstance appears to be getting worse, the temptation comes to confess what we see. Unfortunately, if we do that, What we had said originally is replaced by the latest words we had just spoken. Our heart received new orders and is instructed to do something else, produce more of the problem. And the law of faith now endeavors to make the problem even worse. This is where our lack of knowledge concerning things hurt us. When we pray one thing and say another, our latest confession will nullify our praying. We need to learn to imitate our Heavenly Father and be single-minded, and be true to our intent by being consistent in saying the same thing. This is critical in light of spiritual laws that are set in motion. Isaiah 46.11 What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. Numbers 23.19 God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Psalms 33.11 But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Don't let double talk undo your faith. When God gave dominion to Adam in the garden, he was instructed by God to keep and watch over it. God made Adam the God, small g, of this new world he had made. Adam had authority to name all the animals God had created. The important thing to consider about Adam's authority 
is that first of all, it was given to him from God. Secondly, this authority was expressed or exercised through words. Man is the only living creature on this earth who is a spirit being and dominates through the use of words. If Adam had a problem in the garden, he was expected to release faith-filled words to change things just like God did through the act of creation. Physically, he would not be able to subdue the whole earth. He had to do it by faith and through the power of words. Genesis 1.26 Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. As believers today, we have been authorized by Jesus to use his name and dominate the devil and the kingdom of darkness. In Luke 10.19, Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. You can also refer to these other scriptures as well. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 19, and Mark chapter 16, verse 17 to 18, which talks about the Great Commission. Jesus had given us the keys of the kingdom, the authority to bind and loose on earth concerning those things which are already bound or loosed in heaven. In the margin of my Amplified Bible concerning Matthew 16, 19, it calls it the perfect passive participle. So things in a state of having already been forbidden or permitted. This states that there are guidelines to what we bind and loose on earth. Some people have gone wild and tried to bind and loose things that were way off base. To put it simply, if it is bound in heaven where God is, then we have the authority to bind the evil from operating on the earth. Sickness, disease, poverty, confusion, and everything else that is of the devil is not allowed in heaven. So we have the authority to bind it from operating here on the earth. The flip side is also true. And that things that are permitted in heaven, healing, life, love, prosperity, peace, and everything else of God can be loosed through us on this earth in Jesus' name. So let's look at Matthew sixteen nineteen in the Amplified. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, that is, declared to be improper and unlawful, on earth must be already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth declare lawful, must be what already is loosed in heaven. How is this authority released or enforced in the earth? By speaking God's faith-filled word. When we exercise authority over sickness or casting a demon out of someone, we speak the name of Jesus. Those are words. When overcoming temptation and the attacks of the enemy, we resist the devil by speaking God's word. We release our spiritual authority on the earth through spoken words, Matthew 8.26. Not made out of what was visible, Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Words are unseen to the five senses, but they are very real. We cannot see electricity, but it has power to bless or destroy. We cannot see atoms, but they are the building blocks of the universe. As human beings, we get so hung up on seeing it first before we believe it. But there are a lot of things we cannot see, 
but we see the effect they have on us and the world we live in. Concerning the new birth, Jesus had to explain spiritual concepts to a natural-minded man. John chapter 3 verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the human spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? So here Jesus engaged in a conversation with a spiritual leader and shares a spiritual truth concerning the new birth. As we have just read, this man tried to comprehend it with his natural mind. The natural mind is dependent upon the five senses to feed it data from the natural world in order to make judgments on things. Here is a perfect example of what happens when a spiritual truth is processed by the natural mind, confusion. Yet Jesus pointed out to him that one cannot see the wind, but we can tell it's there and we can tell the effect that it has on what it touches. Spiritual things are the same way. We can't see, taste, touch, hear, or smell words, faith, hope, love, or God himself, but we can experience the effect they have on our lives and in this world. They are just as real as rocks, trees, and people. Actually, spiritual things are more real because they always existed and always will. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man or woman without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to them, and they cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Here's an explanation of why Nicodemus could not understand what Jesus was sharing. He was a natural man without the Holy Spirit to reveal the spiritual truth that Jesus spoke about. The Lord's words seemed foolish to him, because they are spiritually discerned to be understood. Don't be surprised if unbelievers or even some Christians say, this faith and confession stuff is for the birds. They cannot appreciate it because they do not understand it. Yet they operate these same spiritual laws that they don't believe in, and they destroy their lives with negative words and then blame God for it. Proverbs 19.3 states, A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. 
Another classic example of what ignorance does to people is that it makes them vulnerable to destruction. Words are unseen forces that release our faith, just as electrons are unseen forces that make up electricity. They are unseen, but very real. They are governed by laws and show no favoritism. If used according to knowledge, they will produce for us the things desired. However, if they are abused, even out of ignorance, they can kill and destroy. People who play with spiritual things will get burned. We have always told our children as they grew up, don't play with matches. You'll get burned or you'll burn the house down. I have personally seen the effects of fires created by children as they burned homes and fields. Words are very real. They are spiritual forces that give substance to everything we see. Speaking God's words releases our faith to bring into reality the beautiful and wonderful things we hope for. For many of us, it was years before we were enlightened concerning these spiritual laws that affect our lives. Now we know more than ever about them, and we can study the Bible even more and harness them for our good and for God's glory. We should not be discouraged if we don't learn to operate in these principles overnight. It takes time to renew our minds with the Word in order to be consistent with our speech. The Holy Spirit will be our coach to train us in this life to walk by faith and to talk like our Father does. If we think this confession business is for God only, think again. Jesus said, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, in Matthew 5.48. And Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. As recorded in John 14.14, consider 1 John 2.6, which says, Whoever claims to live in Jesus must walk as he did. It's the Father's will for us to speak his words after him and thus manifest his kingdom in the earth. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew 6, verse 9-13, he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that this is established through speaking and acting on God's word. We know that God's word is his will. And when we speak it in faith, his kingdom manifests on the earth in the form of salvation, healing, deliverance, love, and so on. Words are powerful when released out of our mouth in faith because they carry spiritual forces. John 6.63, Jesus said that his words were full of a substance called spirit life. Acts 20.32, Paul says that God's word is full of a substance called grace. Romans 10.10, Paul went on to say that God's word is full of a substance called faith. Words are spiritual forces that carry and transport faith or fear, love or hate. What is in our heart will fill the words we speak and produce what is contained in those words. For out of the fullness of the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, according to Matthew 12.34 in the Amplified. Whenever Jesus spoke, his words contained spiritual life because that is what he is full of. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, 1 John 5.11. When the devil speaks, his words are full of spiritual death. Before Jesus' incarnation, the Bible refers to him as the Word. In the book of Revelation, he is still referred as the Word of God, in Revelation 19.13. This spiritual concept is understood as the Spirit of God reveals it to us. The second person of the Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ, is God's word. 
Jesus is the express will and spoken word of the Father. That is why the scripture says the universe was formed from the Father through the Son, through God's spoken word, the Lord Jesus. Colossians 1.15, Hebrews 1.12, 1 Corinthians 8.6, and Romans 11.36. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. We have shared before in previous sections of this episode and this season that God's Word is a living force. The Word of God is living and active. Of course it is, because the Word of God is a person, the second person of the Trinity. Now man's words that are originated by himself are empty. Let us not deceive you with empty words, as stated in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6. And for they mouth empty boastful words, in 2 Peter 2.18. If Jesus is full of spirit life, grace and truth, then so are his words. When we take those words and put them in our mouths, they will release the very same substance in our spirit and manifest his glory and provision in our lives as well. John 1.14 The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Words are containers of the spiritual substance within the heart of the person who speaks them. Since words are containers, hearing God's word produces faith. The same principle of words is true when we hear the words of the devil. Since words are containers, hearing the devil's words produces fear and results in death if believed and acted upon. His words are full of deadly poison. That is the one reason why the Bible refers to him as a poisonous serpent. Whoever embraces and speaks his words embraces death. As free moral agents, we have a free will to choose whose words we will speak. Before we make our decision, we must realize that we will experience in our life the substance that is found in those words we choose to speak. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now in chapter 3 verse 1, it states the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. Since words will form and shape our life, let's be aware of what we read, hear, and say. Don't be like a baby bird that just swallows everything that comes around. We must be like the Bereans who examined everything Paul preached to them in the light of God's word, Acts 17.11. Anything that contradicts scripture is not of God and is to be avoided. They are deadly words that can shipwreck our faith, 1 Timothy 6.20-21. 
the greatest threat to the early church was not persecution, which only fanned the flame, according to Acts chapter 8, verse 1-12, through 12, but it was false teaching. That was the greatest threat to the early church. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6-9, through 9, chapter 5, verse 7-12, through 12, and Titus chapter 1, verse 10-11. through 11. Now take note of this in Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus said, Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So when we talk about the subject of confession, all I am saying is to simply agree with what God has already said in his word. Nothing more, nothing less. A person is in error if they fabricate a promise from God that does not exist in the Bible. Faith and confession says, take God's word and put it in your mouth until it gets in your heart. Next, speak it out of your mouth in order to release the spirit life force of faith that will produce in your life the fruit of God's kingdom that is already within you, according to Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and Luke 17 21. The Law of Genesis was established by God as a fixed law from the very beginning of creation. This law operates in the spiritual realm as well as the natural. The law of Genesis is this, everything produces after its own kind, and the seed is in itself. It works this way all the time because it's an absolute law. Genesis chapter 1 verse 11, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said to man, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. Did you notice how many times that the Lord mentioned the word seed in this passage of Scripture? You know, if we take vegetables, for example, the seed to produce more vegetables is found in the vegetable itself. In the act of creation, God made the vegetable first with seed in it in order to perpetuate it from then on. Therefore, the age-old question of which came first, the chicken or the egg, is already answered by the Bible. The chicken, the carrot, flower, tree, animal, fish, and the man came first. Within God's creation was the seed to reproduce itself from then on and forever. Jesus explained in the parable of the sower that God's word is spiritual seed. In Luke 8.11, the seed is the word of God. The ground that Jesus refers to is the human spirit, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, and who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. In Luke 8.15, From this spiritual principle, we can see that all words are seeds of one kind or another. The words we speak are seeds being sown in the hearts of the hearers to produce a change or to reproduce itself. Remember, everything produces after its own kind, and the seed is in itself. The seed of strife is in strife itself. If we get in strife with someone by speaking strife-filled words, it will create more strife. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. If we give love, we will reap love. The seed is in itself to produce more. Remember how we talk about words being containers? 
Since words are spoken out of the abundance of a person's heart, whatever is in their heart will fill their words when they are spoken. Those words will produce more of what we spoke in our lives and in the lives of others, whether it's good or bad. If someone speaks a curse over you, as a Christian, you can counteract those words and destroy them with God's word, which is a sharper two-edged sword, as stated in Hebrews 4.12, states that God's word is sharper than any double-edged sword. God didn't give us his word to put us in bondage. Some people have said about faith and confession, this confession teaching just puts me in bondage. I can't say anything anymore because I have to watch what I'm saying. Isn't it sad that we can go on a diet and watch our fat and cholesterol intake and think nothing of it. We understand if we're going to live long and healthy lives naturally, we must watch what we eat. Yet people are putting themselves and others in the grave at an early age by speaking death over themselves and others. For example, someone might say, I know it's going to kill me, but I love cheesecake. Or, I told him that riding a motorbike is dangerous. Just watch, he's going to kill himself someday. When we speak continually negatively like that, it's going to cause us problems. Our confession either releases God or the devil on the scene to carry out what we say. Words grant access and releases authority for either God or the devil in our life. We really need to check on the seed that is in our mouth before we sow it, especially in prayer. Sometimes people pray the problem instead of the answer. If we pray the problem in prayer, we then have more of faith in the problem because faith comes by hearing audible words. Sadly, we can actually destroy our faith in God through prayer when we pray the problem. We must learn to incorporate God's promises that address our specific needs in our prayers. We need to control the words that come out of our mouths because God answers the prayer of faith according to James 5.15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The prayer of faith is simply a prayer based on and incorporates God's word. When we pray the answer, the fulfillment of the promise, we will be planting seed for the right harvest. If we wanted to plant a garden, and in that garden we planted some corn, let's say, what would we use in order to plant corn? Well, corn seed, of course. We can't take carrot seeds and plant them and expect to receive a harvest of corn. The Bible contains all the seed of God's promises and provisions for every area of our life. But to meet a specific need, we need to get the specific seed to meet that need. If our body is in need of physical healing, let's find healing scriptures and plant them in our heart through faith principles. That healing seed will grow in our heart and materialize in time, in a harvest. If we need more of God's peace in our life, let's not focus our time and energy on planting sanctification seed. It's the same as planting carrot seed and expecting corn to appear. Sow the type of seed to meet the specific need. We must plant before we receive. It's just that simple. So we need to check on the seed we've been sowing in our life, based on the harvest we've been receiving. So let's now look at faith as a seed, the act of sowing. Before we have a harvest of any kind, natural or spiritual, we must have a season for sowing the seed. Depending on what type of seed we sow will determine the kind of harvest we will reap. The principle of seed time and harvest is an unchangeable law that is recorded in the book of Genesis. It has been working for and against mankind from the beginning of creation. When I say against, I mean they have sown bad seed and reaped a bad harvest in their life. 
No fault on the principle. In Genesis 8.22, God said, Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Galatians 6.7 Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Let's look at the ministry of giving and receiving in the Bible. Paul complimented the Philippian believers for their obedience to God's word concerning giving in Philippians chapter 4.19. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. That's Philippians 4.15. Since they put this law of sowing and reaping in effect, Paul could further say, And my God will meet your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. These believers sowed financial seed, and the Holy Spirit through Paul promised them that they would reap a financial harvest. It is ludicrous for us to think that we can expect a harvest without first sowing some seed. Here is an important question to ask. How does God meet our needs in life? He has already established provision for us through this law of sowing and reaping. It has always worked for us in the natural, and likewise, anything we need in the spiritual works the same way. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Jesus said in Luke 17 verse 20, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come visibly, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. This is where faith works, in our spirit. The kingdom of God is in our spirit. That is the ground in which the seed of God's word is to be sown. The spirit of a person is the production center for God's kingdom. Find the promises in God's word that covers the need and begin sowing them in your heart by speaking them out of your mouth. The sowing is in the saying. In God's economy, our needs are not met by the magic wand method of poof, here is your new car, or poof, we are now strong in our love walk. God always takes what we have sown and multiplies it. In the story of the widow of Zarephath, God performed a miracle through Elijah. She gave the prophet of God the rest of her flour and oil during a famine, and God multiplied it to feed them until the famine was over. 1 Kings 17 verse 7 through 16. In another story, there was another widow woman who owed a debt to some creditors. Elisha told her, take some of the little oil that you have and begin filling empty jars with it until you run out of those jars. Keep filling until you don't have any more jars. Well, this is found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1-7. through 7. When we sow the seed and God gives the increase to meet the need, Jesus multiplied the fish and loaves of bread in Luke chapter 9, verse 10-17. through 17. So God meets our needs by multiplying the seed we sow. So whether it's salvation, healing, peace, and prosperity, a harvest is produced by sowing salvation, healing, peace, and prosperity seed. Scriptures, promises found in the Bible. So one may ask, now that I know what the seed is, how do I sow it? Well, in Mark 4.26, Jesus answered that very question. 
Jesus said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed by speaking the word on the ground, which is represents the human spirit. Now notice this. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil, which is the spirit of the person, produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. We are the ones who are responsible for sowing the seed. The seed is sown in our hearts when we speak the promise of God out of our mouths, and there it begins to grow and to produce. Sometimes people think it's going to happen just because they say it. Saying is involved in planting it, but it won't necessarily happen just because we say it. People will run off with Mark 11.23 and push things to the extreme. It won't work just because we say it, but saying it is involved in working the principle. It's like saying to the farmer about farming, you won't necessarily have a harvest just because you plant, but you will never have a harvest if you don't plant. There's also a process of caring for that seed after it has been planted that is just as important as planting the seed. The problem has been that people just plant a few seeds and go off and leave them. We must care for that seed. It takes time for it to go through the different stages of development and manifest. Now we will cover this process of caring for the seed in more detail later on in this season. Notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.6. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. When we talk about the power of words, we're talking about the power of seeds. It is the life in that seed that the farmer is planting that will produce a harvest. God's word is incorruptible seed, according to 1 Peter 1.23. It is full of his life and grace to reproduce itself in our life. God's promises are seeds for a harvest, and we sow it by speaking it. The sowing is in the saying. Unfortunately, we have been taught throughout our life that we should tell it like it is. However, that is not the Bible way. The Bible method is that we say it the way the Word of God says it, because God's Word is truth. So when we see lack and problems in our life, speak abundance and peace. That is how God would handle it. But He is not going to do it for us. We have the resources and the tools to plant the seed for a harvest. It's now up to us to just do it. Luke 17.5 Jesus replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Mark 11.22 Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. I like what it says in the King James Version, he will have whatsoever he saith. In other words, we will have what we say. There is no faith without confession. In order to release our faith, we must speak God's faith-filled words. Notice that Jesus said in this scripture that we are the ones who speak to the obstacles in life and say, it is written, so get out of the way. Jesus went on to say that the problem would obey you. Interesting enough, the apostles thought that they needed more faith when all they needed was a lesson from Jesus on how faith works. The primary principle to faith working in our lives is that it involves speaking God's word to the problem. Faith works like a seed. Unless we plant it, we won't have a harvest. Oftentimes, this is our problem. We don't operate faith as a seed. 
So faith operates as a seed. Some Christians have what I call passive faith. They believe the Bible from cover to cover, but never seed it to produce a harvest. They believe if it's God's will, it will just happen to them automatically. In other words, they put all the responsibility on God to meet their needs, while they just sit back in their spiritual sofa or their lazy boy, and they'll pray, Lord, if it be thy will, please meet all of our needs. Then when their need is not met, they say, well, I guess it just wasn't God's will for us to have our needs met. His sovereign ways are above ours. I guess he is just using poverty to make us more humble, like Job. Well, you know, God's word is God's will. Just as it was with the Israelites, so it will be with us in the new covenant. They had a promised land to possess, but they had to get up and go in and possess it. We must learn to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold and claim of our rights and privileges in Christ Jesus if we're going to receive anything. Yes, there will be some giants of doubt and unbelief and obstacles to overcome, but through persistence and through faith and patience, we will eat the good of the land. The word of God is the will of God. God's will won't happen in our life just because it's God's will. Otherwise, everyone would be saved today and tomorrow we go into the millennium. We will not be healed just because the Bible says, by his stripes you were healed, in 1 Peter 2.24. We will not become prosperous just because the Bible says, my God shall meet all your needs. There's this thing called corresponding actions that we have to mix our faith with God's word. It requires faith, which activates the word of God in order to produce a harvest. The word produces when it's planted in our hearts through Bible meditation. Speaking and muttering the word, Joshua 1 verse 8 through 9. We can't take a Bible down to the hospital and lay it on someone to get them healed. Even though the Bible is God's word to us, but if we can get that word inside of the sick person, it will manifest itself and heal them when we get that word in their heart. He sent forth his word and healed them, Psalms 107.20. And in Proverbs 4.20, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight, but keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. Jesus said to the apostles, If you had faith as a seed, you would say to the sycamore tree. Another paraphrase of this verse would be, It would obey your faith-filled words if you had faith as a seed. Jesus tells us two great faith secrets here. Faith is as a seed, or it works as a seed, and we plant it by speaking it. Speaking God's word to those problem areas in our life. Faith works as a seed. You plant it by speaking it. Now let's look at the law of increase. Whatever seed we sow, God will multiply it many times back to us. As mentioned by Jesus in the parable of the sower, we can expect a 30, 60, 100-fold return on our seed. God wants his children to live in abundance, to have a full supply in every area of life. This is accomplished by taking the seed of God's word and sowing it into every area of need. God's superabundance will overtake and fill those areas with his bountiful increase. Luke 6.38 Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What good would it do if the seed a farmer sowed produced the same amount of fruit as the seed that was planted? He would go out of business in a hurry. When a farmer sows, he can expect a multiplied harvest. 
the multiplication factor depends on his skill as a farmer. He can either receive a good harvest or a super harvest. The same is true for us as Christians. As we mature in these principles, we can expect the size of our harvest to increase as well. Jesus explains the law of increase with the following verse. John chapter 12 verse 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The law of increase is best illustrated by how it works with prosperity. Just as words are seeds, so is giving of our time, talents, and money. Some people, when they hear the word prosperity, television evangelists immediately come to their mind. The law of increase and prosperity was instituted by God in Genesis. Sure, some of these folks may be using legitimate biblical principles for unholy uses, but that does not diminish the spiritual law. We'll just say in our case that we will use these principles to further God's kingdom. We can't be a blessing unless we're blessed, nor can we give what we don't have. Just because some people choose to drink and drive, are we going to stop driving a car? No. Proverbs 11.24 One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The Dynamic Kernels In conclusion, I would like to share an incredible illustration that I found from Believe It or Not by Ripley. It will illustrate the law of increase for us. This principle has been so powerful for humanity when we worked it in the natural. Just imagine how powerful it is going to be for us when we use the Word of God as our incorruptible seed. The harvest will just blow us away. Instead of just reaping wheat, rice, and cotton, we will start reaping new births, healings, prosperity, peace, love, and joy. Perry Hayden from Tecumseh, Michigan, inspired by a biblical quotation found in John 12:24, he began an experiment of sowing and reaping in connection with tithing. His plan was to begin by sowing one cubic inch of wheat and after tithing from the harvest to sow the entire 90% back into the ground. This was to continue for six years. So John planted a cubic inch of wheat in 1940, and in 1946, the harvest was 75,000 bushels of wheat, which at that time was valued at $150,000. That was in 1946. Can you imagine how much that would be worth today? So in the first year, he sowed one cubic inch, or 360 kernels, on a 4 by 8 foot plot of ground. 
one bushel equals 2,150 cubic inches. At $4 per bushel, one cubic inch equals 0.0018 cents. Not a whole lot. Now, the harvest was 50 cubics, or 0.023 bushels, which equals 9 cents, or 50-fold. So the tithe was 5 cubic inches, or 0.009 cents. Extra effort was made to save every kernel. Now, in the second year, he sowed 45 cubic inches of seed in a 24 by 60 foot plot of ground. The harvest was 70 pounds, or 1.16 bushel, which equals $4.64. So the tithe was 7 pounds, and 7 pounds equals 46 cents. Already, one cubic inch has turned into 2,494 cubics. 360 kernels have turned into 881,499 kernels. Now that's on the second year. Now that's increase. In the third year, he sowed 63 pounds of wheat on 0.77 acres of land. The harvest was 1,010 pounds, or 16 bushels, which is 34,400 cubics, and that equates to $64. So he tithed on that, which is 101 pounds, or $6.40. This was a bad harvest because the local average was 24 bushels per acre. Too much rain coupled with birds and a horse eating some of the crop caused the loss. It is estimated that every bushel that was lost from this crop resulted in a loss of 4,375 bushels four years later. Now in the fourth year, he sowed 861 pounds, or 14.3 bushels, on 14 acres of land. And that produced 27.1 bushels per acre or 8 bushels per acre better than the average, and the harvest resulted in 22,765 pounds, or 380 bushels. That was $1,520, and so the tithe was $148. On the fifth year, he sowed 321 bushels on 230 acres, harvested 5,555 bushels, or $22,220. So the tithe on that was 2,220. On the sixth year, now this is the last year, he sowed 5,000 bushels on 2,666 acres, and the harvest was 72,150 bushels, or $288,600. And so he tithed $28,860 on that. So 360 kernels became 55 billion. That is increase. Now, at the end of this experiment, it was calculated that if the average farmer in the area had done the same experiment, continually re-sowing 100% rather than 90%, and at a high yield of 30 bushels per acre, the sixth year harvest would have been only 5,297 bushels. But with the tithing, Mr. Hayden's harvest was 72,150 bushels, which is 13.5 times greater when he tithed. So based on state averages, if a farmer sowed or re-sown 100%, at the end, he would have only gained $21,188 from the harvest on the sixth year. But the dynamic kernels harvest of tithing 10% and re-sowing only 90% resulted in a total amount of tithing of $31,235 given. 
but resulted in a harvest of $288,600 gained for the 90%. So there you have it. You don't tithe, you get $21,000. If you do tithe, you get $288,000. Now that's increase. That's God's blessing. And that's what the kingdom of God is about. John 12, 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You can't outgive God. Are you familiar with the old saying, give a person a fish and feed him for a day, or teach a person how to fish and feed him for a lifetime? That has been God's design since Genesis chapter 1. God has made provision for humanity through the law of seed time and harvest, and that every seed produces after its own kind. This is true in the natural realm, and it's also true in the spiritual realm. Naturally speaking, we work with a variety of physical seeds that we plant in the ground, water, grows, and then reap a harvest. Spiritually, the seeds we work with are words, and the incorruptible seed is the promises in God's word. We sow them by speaking them, and the ground is the human spirit where God makes it grow, and in time we reap a harvest when it manifests by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's highest and best is that we learn to cooperate with these laws of Genesis, sowing and reaping, to meet all our needs in every area of life, both naturally and spiritually. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life Study Series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's Word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.